Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno Shoemaker, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. Simplicity in the workplace. Sounds great, right? Well, CEO of FutureThink, Lisa Bodell, is here to tell you it's possible. Lisa is our keynote speaker for the October and November accounting shows, and she says simplicity isn't about becoming more efficient. It's about spending time on work that matters. We discuss what makes simplicity so powerful, common mistakes of companies in pursuit of simplicity, metrics to use to measure progress, and so much more. Here's what she had to say. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I am going to dive right into the questions. I have a lot of things to ask you. (laughs) Can you tell me why is simplicity or simplifying your work routine? Why is that so powerful? Well, Jessica, first of all, thank you so much for having this discussion today. Simplicity is so powerful for many reasons. I mean, the biggest one for people is not to be more productive or efficient, because I'm sure that many of the listeners here already are productive and efficient. It's so that they can spend their time on work that matters. And I think the issue with so many people around complexity isn't that it's, um, it, you know, it, it's making them less efficient. It's, it's holding them back from being able to do what they were hired to do in the first place. So simplicity really allows people to use their potential and to focus on more valuable work versus more work. And I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, I would love to make things more simple, but they might feel like the business environment or the company that they work at is too complex. What uh, makes something too complex and how can someone overcome that? Well, listen, if they feel that things are too complex at their job, my reaction to that is congratulations, you're like everyone else. So the good news is, is that everyone experiences it because so much of complexity, frankly, is driven by the best of intentions, but it's human behavior. We we want to move faster. And so rather than stopping and uh, really thinking through a problem, we just add on top of it. So for example, right, think about technology. We tend to add on top of it versus scrapping it and starting from scratch, right? So the best of intentions make things complex, but then we create the beast that we become a slave to. So I think human behavior is a big, big challenge. Um, And the other thing is people don't realize that they can question how they work. They just don't do it. They go along with the flow because they think someone put those rules or those processes in place for a good reason when maybe those rules have outlived their time. So people being able to question how they work and creating an environment to do that can eliminate a lot of this unnecessary complexity. And I love that. So how can businesses take steps to make the simplification process happen? There's many. That's the great news is that, you know, simplicity is something we're all capable of doing. We just have to know how and give people the um, the empowerment to do it. Um, one of the things you can do with your team is ask them what their biggest time sucks are. And believe me, they'll tell you. And that's a great way to open the discussion around what meaningless work and unnecessary work is happening. Um, another one that we love that we just love because it's easy to do and you can do this quarterly with your teams is hold a kill a stupid rule session. Hmm. And what that does is it teaches people in their, their sphere of control, right? The team they work with every day, the work they do every day, what are the rules and unnecessary crap that they deal with that they would love to get rid of if they could. 
and invite people to tell you. And believe me, we do this all around the world at the highest levels, at the most regulated industries. They come up with literally dozens of things within the first 10 minutes. And what you'll find is most of the things they come up with, they're not rules. They're cultural norms, annoyances, assumptions, things that aren't written in stone and people are empowered to get rid of if they just took the time to identify them. And you've mentioned, you know, a lot of questioning the status quo, questioning previous norms. Yes. If someone isn't in a position of authority or what might not be obvious leadership at their company, how does that um, impact them, you know, making the asking these questions, you know, maybe trying to change the process? Well, it, it impacts them a lot. Um, but the good news is there's lots they can do. So here's mm -hmm. the thing. When you ask people what's so complex at work, it's not, you know, regulation or structured or, you know, org, org rules. It is those things. But when you ask them what annoys them, it's meetings, emails, decision making. It's day to day mm -hmm. stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think the CEO puts a rule in place that every meeting has to be 60 minutes. I mean, they got bigger, better things to do. So what we teach people is if they're not the boss is to start in their sphere of control, their work mm -hmm. every day, ask what annoys them and start to exemplify the behaviors that they want to change in their sphere of control. So if you want meetings to be um, shorter, audit your meetings and say, what things could I uh, do? Go on a time diet with. What are the emails that I could um, pick up the phone instead rather than emailing? What are the ways in my emails that I could put the bottom line up front or really just type into the subject line what I'm asking for so I'm more likely to get the response that I want? You can start to create the change in your own day-to-day -day work that you want others to do as well. That's where it starts. And when we talk about someone creating change, can you go into more about how the culture impacts that, how the culture at an organization allows people to create that change? Well, allows it or doesn't allow it, to your point. I mean, a lot of times people will say, I'll be in these leadership sessions and they'll say, um, you know, what's the biggest barrier to um, simplifying? And I'll say, you us like leaders, because we tell people to do things, but we don't empower them or make them feel comfortable to do it. That what it comes down to, Jessica, is the biggest thing that drives complexity is fear. Fear of looking stupid, fear of uh, making the wrong decision, fear of not including the right people, um, fear of getting fired. So we want as leaders to create this culture where we minimize the fear, not just the friction, and we exemplify the behaviors we're asking people to do. Example, you're going to tell people to say no to meetings. You know, they're drowning in meetings and the leader says, just say no to meetings. But the leader still says yes to all the meetings. You think they're going to, they're never going to do it. And that's a real example that happened at Pfizer. The, you know, the head of Simplicity told people doing the right thing to say no to meetings. And a few months later, he realized people were still complaining about the number of meetings. And somebody pulled him aside and said, well, that's because you still go to all the meetings. And so in, until he changed his behavior, people didn't change their behavior. So that's that's where it starts is with leadership, um, actually practicing what they preach. Absolutely. And is there a way to measure simplification at mm. a company? Is there a metric that people should be looking for? I, I can give you, we actually 
gathered from our clients around the world, 70 different metrics. You don't need more metrics, but metrics are very specific to your culture and your business, right? The biggest generic metric I can give you is when people do their employee surveys quarterly, annually, whatever it is, um, the metric that they need to look at is ability to get things done. So for example, at Pfizer, one of the reasons they knew they had a problem with complexity is because they ranked very high on being innovative. Because of course, everyone said, we come up with these amazing medications and drugs, of course, we're innovative. But what they ranked lowest on was ability to get things done. Now, how can you be the most innovative, but not get anything done? That means that there's a problem. There's a PR issue here. And so the metric of ability to get things done, if you can move that needle, reduce the friction, be able to get rid of unnecessary work, that number will go up. That's the metric to watch. Mm -hmm. And say a company is doing this, is there ever an end point in this journey? Is there ever a time when they say, we've done it, we've simplified, we've succeeded, no. or is it a continual process? <laughs> no. So yeah. here's a great example. We work with, um, you know, I mentioned Kill a Stupid Rule, and we did this once with, um, we've done it many times, actually, but with this one group at Accenture. And they realized that, um, you know, rules are like weeds. They grow back. And with the best of intentions, but we're always just trying to manage things, right? And so what they realized is they needed to run Kill a Stupid Rule on a quarterly basis. In fact, they created a, a wall um, in one of their main offices, uh, a Kill a Stupid Rule graveyard. And every rule that was killed, they put on a tombstone and they put it up on the wall. And the reason that was important was it was a visual signal that you are empowered and expected to get rid of unnecessary stuff and to show people um, what they were uh, empowered not to do anymore and that the wall grows over time. Mm -hmm. So that's the way of saying a uh, never ending journey, but the good news is it gets easier. What they mm -hmm. found every quarter is that people started to have a hard time coming up with rules to get rid of because they had gotten rid of so much. That's a good metric too. That's awesome. Yeah. And talking about you mentioning, you know, adding on more rules, even with the best of intentions, makes me wonder, what are some common mistakes you see or hear companies making when they are trying to go through the simplification process? Um, you know, some of the biggest ones are they, they confuse being organized with being simplified. That's different. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm very organized, very organized, but why mm -hmm. am I still so busy? Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I've got unnecessary stuff organized. Who cares? The other thing is they try to do too much at once. Don't tell your teams, go forth and simplify. Uh, how? What? Where? Mm -hmm. um, and so, for example, we know clients, they diagnose and they pinpoint where the biggest complexities are, and they tackle meetings, then emails, then decision-making, one thing at a time so people get comfortable and they set norms on how um, they want to simplify those things. You don't want to over, uh, you can oversimplify, you know, and it causes confusion just like complexity does. Mm. And we've talked about this process being a journey. Mm -hmm. How can an organization set up, um, I don't know if the correct word might be framework, to ensure that the simplification that they've started evolves as their company grows and changes over time? Whether you're you know small, medium, or large, I think the principles still apply. You have things that are in people's sphere of influence and their sphere of control. That you know you have someone that's really spearheading, um, in charge of empowering people to simplify. That can be an executive. That can be a simplification team. 
There are people that have chief simplification officers and simplification teams. And what they do is they help set a strategy for what needs to be simplified. And they actually give people the tools or they help um, run sessions for the teams and the individuals and help them at the team level focus on their sphere of control. Teams focus on what's in their daily work and get rid of that stuff. But they also identify things that are bigger issues, you know, between and beyond their teams that go back up to those simplification teams um, that they're in charge of doing the sphere of influence stuff. So, for example, Jessica, you and your team realize you're going to eliminate some zombie meetings. You're going to kill some stupid rules. You're going to go on time diets. But everyone seems to be complaining about this travel policy. And another group complains about the travel policy. And But that's out of your sphere of control. That goes back to the simplification team. And they realize, hmm, bigger org problem, travel policy. And they tackle that rather than distracting you. That's a great way to think about it. And I think you've touched on this throughout our conversation so far, Lisa, but what are some of the benefits of really em embracing the simplification process? Well, there's many. Um, one from a leadership standpoint is speed, right? So speed is more important than size right now. So, you know, some of the biggest companies, they can't get out of their own way. And that's why some of these startups all of a sudden catch them off guard. So speed is important and simplicity gives you that. If, if you're operating with complexity, you can't move fast enough. So mm -hmm. simplicity is an advantage for you. Um, the other thing that's really important about that is, especially for different generations, you know, they want to go somewhere where they're doing meaningful work. Simplification allows people to focus on meaningful work, not mundane work. So it is a competitive and hiring advantage. It gives you better morale. It gives you a better culture. Because, you know, culture at the end of the day, it's the work you do every day. And if you're simplified, you're focused on a culture where meaningful work is the norm. And for those listeners who are thinking, I've bought in, I want to do this, what advice do you have for them on how to get started? Well, one of the things you want to do is you can have a conversation with your leadership about it. And if they're hesitant, you know, frame it as an efficiency thing. You know, it's going to get you, it's going to cut costs and hours out that are just being wasted on more important things for more important things. I can't think of a leader that wouldn't be on board with that. And if somebody came to me and said, hey, I know a way that we could save money and save time, I'm an idiot if I don't listen to them. So that's the way that you start. And that's why a lot of people start with killing stupid rules because um, it's a way to show tangibly a way that you can save time and money that also makes the boss look good. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the key is, well, if you're killing all their stupid rules, the leaders might not like it too much, but it, yeah. it's a way to get the ball rolling uh, that's visible and impactful right away. Okay. Lisa, you have touched on so many great points. I can't wait to hear more about your session at yeah. the 2022 accounting shows. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. I'm looking forward to the shows as well. Thanks, Jessica. Of course. Thank you again to Lisa for joining us to talk about the power of simplicity. You can hear more from her at our October and November accounting shows. Be sure to register for those at the link in our show notes. And please subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.